wonderful friends, welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to BQ&A. This is the show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God, faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. This is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I'm Pastor Ricardo, minister to the Prospect International and Elizabeth Seventh-day Adventist Churches right here in the beautiful city of Adelaide. And I'm thankful that God is allowing us to share His Word with you today. Wherever you are listening from or tuning in, may the words of God from the Bible be a blessing to you today. I want to say hi to a couple of special people that I met yesterday. Very nice people. And hopefully you are listening. Uh, these are Dennis or Denise, sorry, and Lincoln. If you're listening, I hope that and I pray that this uh, program will be a blessing for you. Um, the overall theme for this week is, is faith more than, than just a crutch for the weak? And yesterday we discovered that having faith is not a sign of weakness, but of being strong thanks to God's power. Now, does having faith mean that I don't need to reason about what I believe in? Hmm. That's the big question for today. So stick around. The question is, does faith exclude reason? And today, to help us with this topic, I have Pastor David joining me here at the Faith FM studio. And David is the president of the Seventh-day Adventist Church in South Australia. Welcome once again, David. Good afternoon, Ricardo. And it's wonderful to be on radio again. And hello to all of our listeners. Um, I tell you what, I'm a real weather geek, uh, Ricardo. <laughs> and um, yeah, I've just... Watching late last night, you know, fires and, and the things in Victoria that were occurring and big storms and you go up, uh, up north in the country and mm -hmm. they've had lots of floods and rains and cyclones. And True. recently, this last week, in fact, um, I've been in Perth or just south of Perth, Albany, mm -hmm. about four hours, uh, drive, four and a half hours south of Perth. But I know Perth has been in heat waves, you know, number of days over 40. And I got off a plane last Thursday afternoon in Perth and it was right. 40, 41 or something like that. Was it like humid as well? No, it was just a dry, dry heat, heat, but an incredibly okay. dry heat. But yeah, look, I was at a, a men's retreat, um, mm. spending time with men and speaking at a men's retreat in Western Australia, godly men. Mm. And um, one of the things I've enjoyed uh, is just listening to them sing, you know, 55 men uh -huh. singing um, beautiful songs and hymns at the top of their voices and spending time with them, getting up early to pray and then opening the Word of God, and it's wonderful to see godly men um, mm -hmm. and women, but in this case it was men. Right, right, right. Very good. I think uh, speaking about the weather, I think I got used to the Adelaide weather uh, coming from Queensland where um, the weather is quite humid. Um, recently I was visiting north of Queensland and the humidity just killed me. I think I got used to the dry weather much much better, I think. It's nice to be there for a holiday in that humidity, uh -huh. maybe, maybe nice. <laughs> but I'm thinking, how could you work in that? Yes. If you're outdoors. Or preach a sermon on a suit. True, very true. <laughs> not, not, not very pleasant. Anyways, dear listeners, I want to share with you an article that I found at uh, World, World Religion News, December 20, 2023. Um, as you listen to, as you listen to this, um, article, you'll see something interesting about God using opportunities, uh, using adversity to, um, to make a difference. 
So the title is Bucking the Trend. Latino majority congregations are prospering in numbers, but not in finances. As the number of vacant pews increases in America's houses of worship, one religious demographic is defying the trend, Latino majority congregations. According to a new Hartford Institute for Religion Research report, congregations of over 50% Latino have a median of 80 weekly worship attendees compared to non-Latino congregations with a median of 65 Another contrast is the, that while other congregations are aging, Latino attendees are getting younger, with the percentages of children and young adults through age 34 outpacing uh, those of other congregations. As Reverend Lee Sadi, a sociologist of religion, says, um, they tend to be larger congregations, the Latinos, um, and tend to have younger members. The crisis facing Latino-majority congregations then is not one of faith, but of finances. The breakpoint apparently was the, uh, the COVID-19 pandemic and the corresponding lockdowns. Before the pandemic, 60.2, sorry, 62.7% of Latino faith communities rated their financial health as excellent or good. After the pandemic, that percentage plummeted to 26.1%. That's a great difference. Before the pandemic, those describing some or serious difficulty financially uh, was a mere 2.4%. After the pandemic, an exponential increase to 41%. Even the tight but we manage category changed mark- markedly from um, 34.7% pre-pandemic to 20.4 post-pandemic. Right now, more than a third of the shepherds of the majority Latino flocks often moonlight, needing extra employment beyond the pulpit to help make ends meet. Some work part-time leading their congregations and one-fifth overall deliver their pastoral work gratis or for free. An additional factor in the tightening belts of the Latino congregations is that just 34.7% own their facilities as compared to the nearly twice that percentage, 64.8% of non-Latino majority congregations who do own their meeting places. So this actually makes a difference. According to this article, when you own rather than rent, your stable base in the community becomes that much more stable. And as Reverend Lizardi, a sociologist of religion, points out, allows that congregation to better assume the role of a community hub. This one factor of owning versus renting could prove crucial for Latino-majority faith communities as over half put a lot of emphasis on community service as compared to non-Latino-majority congregations of which just a third get deeply involved in their neighborhoods. Are Latino-majority congregations up for the challenge of increasing worshippers and dwindling dollars? Time will tell. A major strength of the Latino-majority faithful, and one that cannot be ignored in facing that challenge, is that, according to Reverend Lizardi, Latino congregations, by and large, 
constitute a more vibrant aspect of congregational life in the United States, particularly Christian congregational life. That's how the article ends. Um, I was just thinking, David, as I read this article the first time, do you think um, that God can use adversity to help us increase our faith? Like I see that see these, these congregations are facing a lot of difficulties financially. They're, they're struggling financially. But as they are going through difficulties, it seems that their faith is increasing because they keep coming to church instead of being the opposite. It's a really interesting question, isn't it, uh, Ricardo? Mm. And often when we have the finances and the money mm-hmm. to live a lifestyle that we want to live or we aspire to, we seem to have control of things. We seem to want yes. for nothing. Mm. And why do we need God? And often it's it's people that might be struggling with finances or other things in life that are actually looking, they actually realize they've got a need. Now, the wealthy have a need as well, mm-hmm. but often it's those that are struggling that realize their need and are more open to spiritual things. Mm-hmm. So, so sometimes adversity definitely can have a positive impact on faith. And... Um, I, I know during the COVID pandemic that we had, you know, 2020 to 2021 um, as well, that um, we found that giving um, actually went up. It's almost mm-hmm. like people realized that something significant was here and um, maybe some people hadn't been uh, giving like they, you know, maybe they didn't feel they needed to. But when, when something significant hit, mm-hmm. it takes people's minds back to spiritual things and Isn't they gave right? more. So mm-hmm. adversity, whether in this case it wasn't like people were poor, so to speak, but adversity of, of a pandemic coming in mm. made them think and it probably made them some people more faithful. So like uh, it makes you realize your need of... Of God. Yeah, your humanity, the fact mm. that life is very fragile, fragile. perhaps, mm-hmm. and that this system that we live in in this world uh, is not going to last forever. Something like a pandemic can come in and it can turn everything on its head that we know. So it makes us realize mm-hmm. our finality and, and our fragility, that life mm-hmm. can be just uh, something that comes a- and is yes. gone. It happens every time. I remember September 11th, for example. A lot of people became religious after that. Uh, very true. And and mm-hmm. I remember when that actually happened, I was actually studying at seminary mm-hmm. uh, to become a minister. And um, I remember listening and watching. They were saying churches in New York and in America began mm-hmm. to feel like they hadn't for yes. some time. So mm-hmm. adversity um, can be an impetus for people's faith. The question is, I guess, how long does that last? Mm-hmm. You know, once the tragedy, once the once the emergency, once the fear subsides, you know, where is the world headed? Do we mm-hmm. fall back into our into our other situations? You know, what we were oh. like previously. It's interesting, Ricardo. Um, your question is: Does adversity mm-hmm. um, uh, does it sometimes improve our faith? Mm-hmm. I would like to suggest the book of Hebrews provides some insights. And Hebrews chapter 11 is often called the faith chapter. Mm. 
And in Hebrews chapter 11, and we'll probably even touch on this in our study that we get into later, but um, in Hebrews chapter 11, and I'm going to read uh, from verse 17. Mm-hmm. Hebrews eleven seventeen. Hebrews eleven seventeen. Hall of faith. Yep, hall of faith, heroes of faith. And verse 17 says, By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, In Isaac your seed shall be called, concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. Mm-hmm. This reminds us back to the story in Genesis. And here God tells um, Abram to take his son Isaac to Mount Moriah, mm-hmm. to take wood and to take fire. And uh, on their journey um, together, the three-day journey, uh, they leave the servants and he and Isaac, his son, son from he and Sarah, the promised son. Mm. You know, she was, uh, she was 90, wasn't she? Mm-hmm. And I think he was a hundred. Almost a hundred. Yeah. And so that was a miracle in itself, the birth. But then God says, I want you to take him to a mountain. I'm going to show you. Three days. Three that's, that's yeah. like an eternity. Living with that. With and, that thought. And then Isaac says to his father, he says, hey, uh, dad, we've got the firewood. We've got the fire. <laughs> but where is the sacrifice? Uh-huh. <laughs> and uh-huh. um, what does Abram say? He says, God will provide. God will provide. But then he, he, his son lays on the altar voluntarily, and uh, in that story, Abram raises a knife mm. to sacrifice his only son. What, ad- what more adversity? And for, for a non-believer, for a non-Christian, this is like murder, right? What sort of faith mm. would do this? And, and it's almost like it was a faith test by God. Mm-hmm. And it was also a parable, that um, which we'll talk about in a minute. But mm-hmm. here is Abram with a knife lifted, about to thrust it into his son's chest. And you can imagine the angst and the adversity mm-hmm. and the pain he's feeling and, and how, how challenged he is. Yes. And yet as he goes to plunge uh, that knife, at the very last moment, perhaps, God calls that's, out. That's God's style, I yeah, think. It is. It's often, it's <laughs> often right at the end. It takes us to the very end of what we can endure. Yes. And, mm. and I, guess, I guess what it shows there is that Abram chose to put God first. Knowing that God had given him and Sarah a, a, a miracle, a supernatural mm. birth, 90 and 100, which woman, what woman is able to give birth at 90 years of age mm-hmm. to fall pregnant? Mm-hmm. And so this was miraculous. This was supernatural. Mm-hmm. And Abram knew, we've just read in Hebrews 11, that God could raise Isaac up right. even from the dead. He, he trusted in he God. He trusted him. He trusted in his word. And that's real adversity. But then I go to the Mm. next story in Hebrews 11, the next significant one, Mm -hmm. and this is of Moses. Now, Moses was a privileged child, wasn't he? Mm -hmm. He um, was a Hebrew. Pharaoh had wanted to destroy and kill the the male babies. Mm -hmm. And um, he was brought up in Pharaoh's palace by Pharaoh's daughter. He was potentially in line to become Pharaoh. Yes, a lot of power. Yep. So he had an easy life. Mm-hmm. And yet, uh, what we read is in verse 24 of Hebrews 11, By faith Moses, when he became of age, 
refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. In other words, he wanted to disassociate himself with the wealth, with the status, Mm. with the position, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward." And then it says, by faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Mm-hmm. And, and so this tells us that he chose adversity mm-hmm. over status and money and wealth and fame. He chose adversity, and in that adversity his faith became stronger. That's right. So That's much right. so that he even asked God, to take his name out of, uh, mm. of the book of life for the sake of God's faithless people, the Israelites. Tremendous faith. So he developed such an incredible relationship mm. in adversity. So he trusted that God was always going to do what was right, what was fair. Absolutely. Trusted him. Uh, and and uh, I, I'm pretty sure that the faith of Abraham after that experience that you were mentioning grew tremendously. Absolutely. So often it's when we become tested. Mm-hmm. Or go through a tough experience and we look back or we see in that experience that God is there, mm. that it confirms our faith. Yes. It deepens our faith. We know we can believe the promises in Isaiah 43, 1 to 2. It says, you know, when you pass through the fire, mm-hmm. you will not be burned. When you go through the waters, um, the, they won't overcome you. And, mm-hmm. and so when you go through an uh, incredible challenge... It confirms the promises that God is with us. Doesn't mean to say it's an easy ride. God will be with us in adversity. It's not fun while you're going through it. Absolutely. But you can benefit from it after you pass the test indeed. Oh, what a friend we have in Jesus. That's actually the song that we're going to listen now. Uh, James Rainwater. What a friend we have in Jesus. What a friend we have in Jesus All our sins and griefs to bear What a privilege to carry Everything to God in prayer Oh, what peace we often forfeit Oh, what needless pain we bear All because we do not carry Everything to God in prayer Trials and temptations Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged Take it to the 
Can we find a friend so faithful who will all our sorrows share? Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in friend we have in Jesus indeed. That was James Rainwater. Dear friends, our giveaway for this week is the bestseller of all times, the Bible. In this case, the New King James Bible with Pastor Mark Finley's Bible study helps. Uh, as you may know, Pastor Finley is a well sought after international speaker and evangelist. And this Bible, as I mentioned, comes with um, his commentaries. Now, it also comes with a 12-month Bible reading plan, uh, Words of Christ, Words of Christ in Red, etc. And it's a really good gift, uh, a gift as well. And it's all free for you. All you need to do is text a code that I will give you soon towards the end of the program. So you have to stick around. Um, the number is 04 808 I'll repeat the number, 04 80811. Just send us the code that I will give you soon, and you'll get a free Bible with Mark Finley's Bible Study Helps. Of course, you can always, always, uh, and at any time, use this number to text us uh, your questions, your feedback. If you just want to say hi or thank you for the program, that'll be wonderful. Use that number 04888080811 to text us your questions at any time. This program is made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio. Welcome back, dear friends. You're listening to Faith FM Drive Time BQ&A right across Australia with Pastor Ricardo. My co-host today is Pastor David, and he's the president of the Seventh-day Adventist Church here in South Australia. Um, this week we are following the theme, Is Faith More Than a Crutch for the Week? And, of course, the big question that we are dealing with today is, does faith exclude reason? That's a good question, I think. Um, David, does having faith mean that I don't need to reason about what I believe in? Well, it's, it's very interesting, isn't it? Because there are certainly mm. arguments out there that would suggest that um, 
as we're as a theme for this week. If you're a Christian, then faith is simply a crutch. It's something for you to grasp onto. But uh, anyone with a reasoned mind, anyone with any intellect, anyone with any hope in life, anyone that wants to get ahead in life, will they'll throw religion away uh, mm. because it's for the weak. It, it doesn't. It doesn't. It's not compatible with reason. Mm-hmm. Someone with a sound mind, someone with good intellect, well, they would exclude. You would not need it. You wouldn't need it um, because faith is not compatible, they would say. And there are some examples of that. Um, the German philosopher Friedrich Nietzsche, he wrote, When faith is thus exalted above everything else, it necessarily follows that reason, knowledge, and patient inquiry have to be discredited. Mm-hmm. The road to the truth becomes a forbidden road. Faith means not wanting to know what is true. Mm. And that was in the book called The Antichrist, uh, 1888, he, he wrote that. It's interesting, that last comment, he wrote, faith means not wanting to know what is true. So in other words, it's almost like there's a saying, and um, I'm not sure if you've heard it, Ricardo, um, you know, in, in your home country, there's a saying, um, you'd be like an ostrich putting your head in the sand. Yes, I was thinking of that one. Okay, so. yeah. And, and so essentially, what does that mean in this context? You know, the context being, faith mm. means not wanting to know what is true. Voluntarily, like you decide to ignore it. Yeah, intentionally. Mm. You know, this is what I believe, and, and, and it doesn't matter what you say, I'm not going to believe it. You know, in essence, that's what he's saying. That, that if you hold to faith, you really don't know what, you really don't want to know what is actually really true. Which really is quite a big put down for a believer in faith. It's really saying you're an imbecile. Or you're too weak to have, you're too weak or not intelligent enough or too afraid to test things. And yet that's not really what the Bible teaches. I'll give you another one. Because um, this is often what many people, they may not be as explicit as what I just shared, but this is what some other people have said. An atheist uh, philosopher, mm-hmm. Peter Boghossian, in his book, A Manual for Creating Atheists, separates faith from reason, asserting that faith is pretending to know things that you don't know mm. and belief without evidence. Uh-huh. He calls faith an unreliable uh, epistemology and a virus. That's pretty strong. Wow. Calling faith a virus, it's full of hatred, full of hatred, <laughs> and 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 again, um, um, he is saying that faith. It's asserting. It's pretending to know things that you don't know, and belief without evidence. In other words, you know, it's a put down. Um, you're not adding anything to the conversation, uh, anything knowledgeable, anything tangible, anything reasonable, if you've got faith, mm. because it's just false. It's hollow. So he said that faith is pretending to know things that you don't know and believe without evidence. I was just reminded of a Bible verse that actually says the opposite. In, in Romans uh, chapter 10, verse 17, the, the description of faith is given or how faith comes about. And it says there, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Not without evidence. Faith comes as a result of knowing God's word. So it's not a blind step in the not dark. It's not like stepping off a cliff and, oh, God's mm. going to catch me. It's There is a process that has occurred. Yes. And what you've just read there in Romans ten seventeen, a beautiful passage. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing from the word of God. It, it means that, okay, you've heard something. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not just hearing. You've actually then go back to Scripture and you study. Yes. So God would never ask us to, to have faith or to trust in someone we don't know. Exactly. So, so the more you get to know someone, mm. then um, the more trust and faith, you, you, you know they're trustworthy. Yes. It, it's also interesting. We, we go back to the book of Hebrews, Ricardo, mm-hmm. Hebrews uh, chapter 11. And just again, looking at that uh, claim, and I'm going to get it back up here. Looking at that claim by that last theologian, faith, um, where he says, uh, he says that faith is pretending to know things that you don't know and belief mm. without evidence. Mm. Hebrews chapter 11, as we said in our beginning um, discussion of, of um, you know, does, uh, does faith grow during adversity? Mm-hmm. Hebrews 11 one says this, and it's known as the faith chapter. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Mm. Um, and so it's not blind. It's... You know it's there. It's almost like it's almost like um, it's almost like when you put a deposit down mm. on a on a block of land or on a house. Mm. Um, you've made the deposit. Mm. It's real, but um, faith may not the full. You, you know that's going to be your property, but you don't fully get it until settlement time. You know the property mm-hmm. settles and you can buy it. So. Faith is not something that is whimsical. It's not something that uh, just floats through the air. Um, God created human beings to use their reason, didn't he, and use their intelligence. Mm-hmm. Now, now I know myself there are some um, denominations that would call themselves Christians that um, actually say you can only read our publications. You can only read material that comes from our religious organization. For me, that's burying your head in the sand. Because if I um, have confidence in what I believe the Bible teaches and my faith, that should be robust enough to stand up to questioning. Mm -hmm. And so um, we're living in a world where... There is this increasing um, divide that faith and reason are not compatible, mm. and and if you've got faith, it's a crutch. So let me a uh, crutch for the week. Let me give a little bit of a definition. There are a few. Faith properly defined is trust developed through the acquisition of prior information. Did you mm-hmm. get that? Yes. Faith yes. properly defined is trust developed through the acquisition of prior inf- prior information. Mm-hmm. Reason is part of the formula used to gather the information and accept or reject the truth claim. Mm -hmm. So in other words, that first thing with faith there, um, it's trust developed through the acquisition of prior information. In other words, it's not blind faith. There's Mm -hmm. actually a process that one goes through to get to the point to say, this is what I believe. Mm -hmm. And the process includes investigation. That's right. And that in, that in, that involves time as well. It, it, it is a process. 
Exactly. So maybe if we look at a few uh, biblical texts here, in the scriptures, reason and faith are seen to work together in many places. And in the book of Acts, there are numerous examples of this, Ricardo. And I don't know if you can read for us there, Acts 17.2. Yes, it says, Then Paul, as his custom was, went in to them, and for three Sabbaths reasoned, reasoned with them from the scriptures. So, so this highlights, doesn't it, that, mm. that there's a level of intellect, mm-hmm. there's thought that's gone into it, and Paul is taking them through, uh, his Bible was the Old Testament. Paul is taking these people that aren't Christians, um, they're Jewish people, mm. and he's taking them through their own scriptures mm-hmm. to prove that Jesus is God. Mm-hmm. He's using Evidence from Scripture to confirm that yes. Jesus is God. And, and there's another one there in Acts 17, isn't there? Acts 17, 17. It says, Therefore he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and with the Gentile worshippers and in the marketplace daily with those who happened to be there. So he's actually to reason mm-hmm. with someone and a group of people in this case. He is actually using evidence. That's right. And again, um, he's reasoning in a synagogue with Jews and Gentiles. Now, Gentiles were non-Jews. They were Mm Greek-speaking, right? So the Greeks were into all sorts of philosophy. They were into reason. And Paul is speaking to those Jews who know their Bible, the Old Testament. He's using their own scriptures Mm -hmm. for evidence that Jesus is who he says he was. He couldn't pull the wool over their eyes and couldn't just say, just trust me. Exactly. They had scriptures that established their faith, and Paul is using those scriptures as evidence Mm. to prove that Jesus is who he says he is. Not only that, but these these Greek-speaking people... Uh, who believe on reason and they like to debate and all this sort of thing. It's in their nature. They're, they're you know, mm-hmm. great scholars had come through, yeah, hadn't they? Philosophers, Plato people. and mm. Socrates and all these people. Um, he reasoned with them as well. That was a challenge. For It would have been a challenge for any preacher uh, to, to, to um, having to have a discussion with Greek philosophers. In other, yeah, exactly. In other words, Paul wasn't just saying, hey, look, believe me, this is, no, this is truth. That's impossible. He you had to say, give evidence. Can't say that to a philosopher. No. And no. what was the evidence, Ricardo, in Acts, um, what was the result, sorry, of mm-hmm. this reasoning in Acts 18.4? Acts 18.4 says, And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded both. Jews and Greeks. So persuasion and reasoning. Two mm-hmm. things we read in this verse. Yes. And the reasoning um, and persuading resulted in many people coming to know Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, Acts eighteen nineteen says, And he came to Ephesus and left them there, but he himself entered the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. Yes. Now, Paul, we understand from the scriptures, had was a Pharisee of Pharisees. Mm-hmm. He had studied under one of the most intellectual men uh, of his era that was a Jew, yes. and that was uh, Gamaliel. Gamaliel. And um, I don't know about you, but uh, when I learnt Greek, <laughs> um, yeah. trying to um, understand and 
um, translate uh, um, so Paul's writings was very difficult because he was an intellectual. Yes. Whereas if you try and translate the Gospel of John or even the book of Revelation that John wrote, John's a fisherman. Mm-hmm. Very simple language. Yes, straightforward. But Paul, he was a theologian. He was no mug. And not just a theologian with scripture of all sorts of things. He was, he was, he was trained, academically trained. And so he reasons with people from the scriptures and there is a result. So from the scriptures, uh, there, there is really no way to develop faith unless we spend time with God in the scriptures. Um, the Redskins in America, they have a saying. They say, if you really want to trust someone, you need to eat a bag of salt together. Okay. How long is that going to take? Yes, yeah. In other words, time. Time, it's important. It is very important. Yeah, there might be a few heart attacks there too. So in other words, um, we wouldn't go up to anyone on the street if, um, and we don't just form trust like instantaneously, do we? Mm, No. It's a process. It's a journey. And some of that is looking for evidence. Is this person genuine? Can they be trusted? Mm. Um, All these sorts of questions. So clearly from the scriptures, I think we've demonstrated that um, the Apostle Paul, just as one example, uh, he uses persuasion, he reasons with people, Mm -hmm. and some people chose to believe and others chose to reject. Mm. Uh, One more text there in Acts 19.9. I don't know if you have that there. Yes, it says, But when some were hardened and did not believe but spoke evil of the way before the multitude, he departed from them and withdrew their disciples, reasoning daily in the school of uh, Tyrannus. So so again, some people accepted his reasoning Mm -hmm. uh, and persuasion from scriptures. Other people rejected it. Yes. Which tells us uh, God created us as free beings, free Mm -hmm. thinking, free will. Um. And it makes the point really clearly here that faith involves reasoning. Exactly. So, unlike those two um, philosophers that I quoted at the beginning, Frederick Nischke and the other one, mm-hmm. that seem to suggest that, you know, if reason has nothing to do with faith. Biblical faith in Jesus Christ is 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 connected with reason. It's mm-hmm. part of the process of having that faith. Yes, Yes, yes. Okay, very interesting topic about faith. It is important to know that in order to develop that faith that we all need to have, we need to spend time in in the Scriptures. That's where we find the evidence for our faith. Time for a break. Let's listen to a song called He's Alive by Marlita Fong. At every sound Half in hopeless sorrow Half in fear the day Would find the soldiers Breaking through To drag us all And just before the sunrise I heard something at the wall The gate began to rattle And a voice began to call Expecting swords 
He's alive indeed, and not only that, he's coming again. That was Marlita Fong. What a beautiful song. Our giveaway, dear friends, this week is the most important book of all, 
the Bible, the New King James Version Bible with Mark Finley's Bible Study Helps. Uh, Mark Finley is a former host and director of It Is Written. He is the first Seventh-day Adventist pastor to have done a satellite evangelistic series. I'm sure you would like to have a Bible with his um, commentaries as well. So this Bible comes with a 12-month Bible reading plan. The words of Jesus are in red. And all you need to do in order to have a free copy of this Bible is text the code. Now I'm, I'm going to give you the code now. It is SA203 and no spaces in between. Uh, no words, no thank you or please, nothing. Just the code SA for South Australia. Two zero three. Text that in to 808 Also, please let us know what you think about the program. If you have any questions, if you just simply want to say hi and um, and or ask for a prayer request, um, just text to that number your comments. O four triple eight eight zero eight eleven at any time. This program is made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio. Welcome back, dear friends. You're listening to Faith FM Drive Time BQ&A. This is Pastor Ricardo, your host for today. And joining me in the studio, I have Pastor David. And this week, we are exploring the theme, Is Faith More Than a Crutch for the Week? And the big question we've been dealing with today is, does faith exclude reason? Does it does having faith, does that mean that we don't have to reason at all about what we believe in? So I think that so far uh, we've learned that faith is not a blind faith. We have all the evidence to have faith in the Word of God. What else do we learn, uh, Pastor David, about faith? Yeah, thank you, Ricardo. So what we've basically been saying is that uh, Paul in the book of Acts is... Uh, using reason, he's mm-hmm. persuading, he's arguing. Um, in fact, Acts 19.8 in the New Living Translation says, Then Paul went to the synagogue mm-hmm. and preached boldly for the next three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. Now, when um, you're arguing persuasively and you're exhorting and you're um, all those sorts of things reasoning, uh, we said that... Um, there is going to be something that occurs. Some people will choose to believe because we're created with free will. Others will reject. And um, they're the two outcomes that can happen. Um, atheistic philosophers, we've sort of suggested that their definitions of faith, uh, it's almost like it's blind. You know, you just jump on a cliff without, uh, just in hope, mm-hmm. without any evidence, if you like. Um, or if uh, faith is like having being an, uh, an emu burying your head in the sand, where you right. just you don't want to know the real truth, you're just going to say this is what mm-hmm. I believe. Where in actual fact, um, that's not the case at all. Uh, in the Greek New Testament, the word pistis it's it's translated into English as faith, mm-hmm. and the verb that it comes from in the Greek actually means a state of believing on the basis of the reliability of the one trusted. In other words, in the New Testament, which is written in Greek, the word faith isn't some blind thing that it's not attached to any evidence or any reason. The word faith actually means a state of believing on the basis of the reliability of the one trusted. So it doesn't have to do with feelings. 
It's it's to do with it's evidence understanding understanding and evidence, mm. and that's why and we looked at this text before. And I don't know if you can read Hebrews eleven one again, um, in this 11, faith 1. chapter. Hebrews eleven one. Yes, I go to Hebrews chapter eleven and verse one. Verse one says, "Now faith is the substance of things hoped for." The evidence of things not seen. So faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, which is basically saying then mm-hmm. faith relies on substance and evidence. Mm-hmm. So in other words, it's not a blind faith. It's not an unreasonable yes. faith. It's uh, Christian faith, biblical faith, is something that involves uh, substance mm-hmm. and it involves evidence. And, and I guess a little example of that could be... Um, in the way a husband has complete faith and trust in his wife, mm-hmm. although he may not be able to demonstrate that faith in an empirical manner to other people. Mm-hmm. So you know you have it. Um, mm. In the end, the proper way to view reason and faith is to understand that faith is a trust given in response to acquired knowledge, in other words, reason, and yes. that arriving at faith involves reason and a commitment to the truth. And that acquired knowledge involves time as well. Involves time uh, mm. and and immersing yourself. Mm. Just like in anything. I mean, um, my son, as an example, he's, mm. he's um, on his L plates and um, uh, has been driving a car that is not ours. Um, it's, it's my in-laws. And uh, it's a nice European vehicle. Uh-huh. And uh, he has permission to do so, right? But um, he, he got out the manual one day and he said to me, he said, Dad, this car can park, self-park, parallel park, reverse parallel park all by itself. Wow. And his right. grandparents wouldn't have known that. <laughs> so he said, come with me, sit in the car. And he showed me. We went out down the street. Uh-huh. We went to a side street with, with cars that were parallel parked and there was a gap. And sure enough, he followed the instructions that were in the manual. And his, it was his job to put his foot on the accelerator and brake, but his hands off the steering wheel. Mm. Now, I don't know about that you, like but fun, I've never but driven, <laughs> I've never parked a car without my hands on the steering wheel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got his foot on the ham, uh, foot on the accelerator and brake. Uh-huh. Everything else is off and the car um, mm. turns, the steering wheel's turning without his hands on it and it parallel parks. Now, he had studied, if he had have just said to me, Dad, it'll do this, uh-huh. I wouldn't have had any faith. But because he told me that he'd studied the user manual, the, mm-hmm. the car owner's manual, um, I was able to sit there, still yes. somewhat nervous, <laughs> that it wouldn't hit the curb or anything, yeah. but it parked itself. So there Why? was some evidence. There was it. evidence. He yes. had the manual. Yes, yes. And I guess God's Word, the Holy Scriptures, is the manual mm. for life, if you like, not only spiritual life, but it gives us a basis in the foundation of, of humanity, of creation mm. and everything in itself. Or is when you think of a, for example, a five-year-old, um, that little kid has faith that he's going to get his lunch every day. I mean, you know, on every, on any given day, he's not actually seeing his lunch, but he knows he will get that. His mom will get it for him because he has developed that faith, you know, over time. He cannot see his lunch, but he knows it will come because he knows his mother. And it's something like that, faith. And so, 
But that faith, though, is built on evidence, right? Yes. Because the first time, maybe, he might not have thought that, right? But mm. after one or two times, oh, yeah, mum packs my lunch, I, or mum will get me lunch. She's mm. done it before. And so that faith that he has has been built consistently over time because of evidence and substance. Based on an experience with his mother. Based on an experience with his mother and the fact that she can be trusted. Yes. And also the evidence that it's occurred in the past. So when Mm. we come to God's word, the scriptures, Mm. when we see the fulfillment of things um, in Bible prophecy, Mm -hmm. um, we only have to look at a couple of those. Daniel chapter 2 gives, uh, you know, a a great time prophecy through many, many hundreds of years, more than a thousand years of various world empires. Yes. We look at that. We don't take it blindly. We go back and, and use reason and evidence to prove that that's true. That then gives us even more faith mm. because we've seen it's been proven parts of the Bible, those parts yes. of the Bible, those prophecies have been confirmed to be true. Mm. So the ones that are not yet fulfilled, we have the faith and the confidence that they will also be fulfilled. Mum got. Mum's given me lunch three days in a row or four days in yes. a row. I have confidence that she'll give me lunch uh, on the next day. Maybe, and the next day. Maybe that's why God wants us to call him Father. He wants us to have that relationship so we can trust him. That trust. And and Ricardo, I mean, presumption. What, what's mm. you know what what would be presumption? Do you think? So when presumption is to say that you have faith, but without any reason, any. Any evidence? Exactly. In other words, um, uh, I believe in miracles. Um, God's going to, um, if I jump off a cliff, God's going to catch me. Mm-hmm. That's complete presumption. Which is something that the devil said to Jesus, right? That's exactly true. The Bible says, but he, he omitted one part of the verse. So that he, he was asking Jesus to be presumptuous. Exactly. And, and Jesus went back to the word of God, didn't he? Mm-hmm. So... Um, uh, faith and reason, biblical faith and reason go together. Mm-hmm. Faith doesn't exclude reason, but there are some things that reason can't prove. Reason can't prove a virgin birth. Yes. Mm. Or conversion. Or conversion. And so reason takes you so far, but then because of the evidence and reason and because of Proof of things in the past from Scripture, we step forward in faith yes. because we've already got the substance, we've already got the evidence. Same too with the resurrection of Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know, there there is there is evidence for that, mm-hmm. and that helps us with faith. So one of the big things, Ricardo, I think that we need to remember here, we're talking about Scriptures, um, is that the importance of spending time, as you said, the, yes. the Indian proverb was... What was it again about two reds? If you really want to trust someone, you need to spend, sorry, you need to eat a bag of salt together. Together, which mm. is going to be a very slow process. Oh, yeah. In other words, as you spend time with someone, you get trust mm. because you see what sort of character they are, how reliable they are. It's the same with the Word of God. So, so because God has proven to us that He loves us, that means we can trust Him with the unknown. Exactly. Because of the substance and the evidence we've already received mm. and already have. That is not a blind faith, then it's a very well. Reasoned. Uh, reason. And so really what we're really wanting to, to invite our listeners to do mm. is to spend time in the Word of God. Spend time special. in the Word of God. Uh, God has given us wonderful intellect and freedom of choice. Mm. If he was scared of that, he wouldn't have given us freedom of choice. He would have made us robots. So mm. we don't have... That he, wouldn't be a good relationship at all. Exactly. The Scriptures can be tested. God's not afraid of it. Mm. 
let's spend time with the Lord reading his Bible. Amen. Let's do it. Let's, uh, that's the only way we're going to develop that faith that is based on, on trust, or sorry, based on uh, knowing God. Faith is trusting God. Very good. Um, looks like our time is up for today once again. So let's pray. Dear, dear Heavenly Father, Lord, um, we want to have more faith in you. We need that faith. And we've um, learned today that that faith comes from spending time in your word. I pray that we may all have that time with you, that we may get to know you, that we may get to trust you as a result, that we may have faith based in, know, in what we know about you. I pray that we may all have that experience in Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. That was Pastor Ricardo and Pastor David. Please join us tomorrow for another Drive Time BQ&A show. We will look at the topic of faith now in the ministry of Jesus. Until then, remember the Bible says, But without faith, it is impossible to please God. Hebrews 11, verse 6. May God bless you all. This program has been made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio.